0: It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, a man who's asking for your vote for county
1: coroner and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, how are you doing? Hey, I think you're going to really love this podcast episode today. And, you know, sometimes the things that you plan out and the things that you structure into a schedule when it comes to things, something like a podcast uh, it, it works, and certainly we've had great topics, and 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 they've all been well planned. Then there's a couple that have just unfolded, kind of at the spur of the moment. And we had one on uh, a couple of uh, a couple of episodes ago where we were talking to a coach who had called our office and was talking to me about handling emails. And so we just sort of put the pause on that conversation, <laughs> hit record, and that became a uh, a pretty popular podcast episode that a lot of coaches have said. They've learned from. And uh, today is something very, very similar. And I'm going to tell you the story, and then we're just going to get right into the conversation with this coach. And it really has everything to do with with campus visits. And before I get into the story, you know, we we do these workshops around the country uh, pretty regularly throughout the year, all different types of athletic departments, big BCS conference schools small uh, private schools, and everything in between. And it's something that I love doing. I love being on campuses. And for the two days that we do these workshops with, with one athletic department and all the coaches within that athletic department, we get to see a lot of rapid change. And that's the exciting part for me. That's the part of this that I love because I think like any teacher, when you see a student or somebody that you're talking to get it and that light goes on, or they try something that you recommended and it works, and they get back to you. That's just really gratifying. And so this is kind of how this unfolded. Uh, and I'll just I'll, I'll jump right into the story. I was beginning work with a client. We're not going to name the school. No school names. No sport names. Um, and even when the coach starts talking, I'm not going to introduce you to uh, to him in terms of his background and everything. I'll give you a little bit of just to set it up uh, in in saying that I was. I was going to a Division I school to work with a new client, uh, their men's basketball program, and uh, they were having a department-wide meeting, so no coaches were in sort of the, the main coaching area, athletic department area, and I got there a little bit early and just waited. And I was doing what we all do when uh, uh, when <laughs> we're waiting around for something. We pull out our phones, and we're checking emails, and I was doing the same thing, not really paying attention. And a couple of people every once in a while would walk by, and this coach walked by, and he stopped and looked at me and said, hey, you're Dan Tudor, (laughs) which I said, you know, you don't ever expect that. And I said, yeah, yeah, who are you? And so he introduced himself. He said, you know, I saw you a couple of years ago, and I sat through a workshop you did for our athletic department at his former uh, Division I university. And he was an assistant coach there and now he was the head coach at this this new school and and so it was you know he started talking and and mentioned something that sort of got this conversation started he said you know what we still use the thing that you came up with for our school based on the research you did with our uh, our players at that school we still now we have we have taken that concept of what to do differently on campus visits because it worked so well at my former school and helped me get this job, that now we're using it here and it's still working. The principles work well. You have to understand. For this, this would be the equivalent coach of a player coming back to you a couple of years later and saying, "Hey, remember that workout or the thing you you forced us to do that we weren't really weren't crazy about, <laughs> but it it you know put this skill set in my hands. I still use it. That be that caused me to become great." So the same feeling that you would get, that's what I get when I hear somebody who heard one of our previous workshops or was a former client uh, talk about something that that worked, that's the feeling that I got. And so uh, I talked to him about it, and we were having this great conversation, and he was talking about all the different things that he did uh, now on his campus visits. And I, so I did what I did with the previous coach, talking about the emails on the phone. I said, hey, coach, Do you mind if we kind of pause this conversation, go out to the lobby where it's a little bit quieter, and just let's talk about it, but do you mind if I record it? And graciously, he allowed that to happen. So what you're going to hear is, I think, one of the best conversations a coach could hear from a fellow coach about the changes they made and and the results that happen, both at his former school as well as the school now that, that he coaches at. Again, we're not gonna mention any names, we're not gonna mention the school he coaches at, not gonna mention the sport he coaches, because that's irrelevant. And we wanna protect his anonymity. But the thing that I think you'll really be impacted by, coach, is is listening to uh, listening to the the way that he kind of took a risk. And and the reward for that risk, and I say risk because whenever we present these ideas, uh, I, I'm look I'm a realistic guy. I know that not everybody that sits through one of our sessions or reads the blog or gets the newsletter or even listens to the podcast is going to adapt and start using every single principle that we uh, that we outline. Some do, and they're wildly successful. But but many coaches don't. It's hard to change. It's hard to. Kind of trust somebody from the outside when your whole career you've done it one certain way. Even if it hasn't been with great success, there's still comfort in the way that you do it. And this coach, I think, had to overcome that. And he mentioned that, actually, in the interview that you're about to hear, that some of the changes, they sort of you know, I held their breath, is this going to work? And it worked. And so I think what you're seeing here, as you listen to this, not only pick out the concepts that he's talking about and and find out or, or, or think about, how you could adapt those to your program. But understand that what you're seeing unfold or what you're hearing unfold in this interview is the scientific process to the extent that that recruiting could be called a scientific process. You're hearing that unfold and you're hearing the real-life results and the real-time results of what happened when they just followed instructions and listened to the research and followed what their own athletes said to do. So that's the conversation that, that we had, and we're going to start with him kind of backtracking and talking about that day that he learned those those principles and as they started to apply them at their old school and what the results were. And again, I think you're going to be fascinated at the, the process that they've used. I think you're going to be encouraged to maybe look at the way you do things and see if you can change. So really exciting episode we have for you here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. And let's not wait anymore. Let's jump into the conversation with this Division I coach who made drastic changes in the way that they executed their on-campus visits and the success they had because of that. Okay, so coach, walk me through, you walk into the session that we're we're doing at your former school, um, a Division I, and you're at a Division I now. Walk me through kind of what you were doing with your campus visit and maybe the philosophy that that your team or the program took towards showing kids campus and, and showcasing your program before kind of the, the changes that you made, the old way you did it.
0: And the old way we did it was um, we tried to get every bit of information we could. We tried to get it to the, this, the potential student athletes. So a lot of it was just we trying to get every bit of information we could about our school, we had to get it to them as fast as possible. Um, and a lot of it was just about Literally everything from the department, athletic department, to the university, to their major, to the dorms, to basically every nook and cranny of the university. We tried to just let them know and put it on, put it basically in their lap um, to a point where it was almost information overload. <laughs> but it was really. But did you know that at the time? I felt it with some of the players. You could, I'm like, as a coach, you become very good at reading body language. So about halfway through the visit, you would really kind of get an understanding of okay, like they. They're, we're starting to lose them a little bit. Right. We're start, they're starting to kind of lose, not interest, but focus on what we're saying. Um, and towards the end, I remember just feeling like the information we're giving them is right, it's important, but it's not what they want to hear. Right. And so that was kind of one of the things we, as we went through the process of the initial visit before we kind of worked together. It was all about, here's the information, here's the player, get the information to the player, all of it as fast as you can. Right.
1: And was that? Did you do that just because that was sort of the way it was always done, or I guess yeah. how did you develop that, or did you just sort of say, "Well, this is what I've seen other coaches do," and I'm it sort of inherited it?
0: Yeah. I mean, as an assistant coach, especially a younger one, you 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 repeat behavior that you see from not just your bosses but also people around the country. So that was literally what everyone else was doing, and everyone else that I knew, that was how they went about their visits. It was here's the information we have about our school here's how we gotta get it to you, and here you go. And basically, you just kind of repeat the pattern. Right. And I always felt that, at the time, my perception was a kid is gonna to commit to a school because of all of the information, not necessarily the people. Mm. And that's how I approached it. Well if, well, if a kid doesn't commit, well, the information's not good. Mm. That's, how I, that's how I looked right. at it. Well, wait, well, our tuition's too high, or our major's not good enough. It was not necessarily the
1: people involved, it was more so the information. Right. Okay, so, uh, And again, without getting into the specifics of the school, we basically took your athletes, interviewed them, and almost sort of reverse engineered the process of finding out what they wanted, and then coming back to the coaches and saying, here's the the way to do it. So I guess the first thing I would ask is, even though this has been now several years ago, what are the the things or the, the main points that you took away from what your kids gave you feedback on? That maybe was a little surprising, or maybe just different than what you were had just described to me in terms of you know it's got to be information based.
0: I, I mean, it's 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 the simplicity of it. I think they, I think for them it's all about connection, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the one thing I took away was that one of my biggest strengths as a coach is to be able to connect with people um, and. I wasn't utilizing that strength enough you know, as, as a recruiter. And I think for our players, it was the feedback that I got from, from, from you guys was, they were all saying that they, there wasn't enough time to connect with people. Right. It was just, they were receiving information, there wasn't enough of a back and forth, of a dialogue. We didn't really ask them questions. It was more so, here's the information, make the decision, uh, instead of just really working to build that connection. And I think for them, um, what they were looking at was am I gonna trust this person, this school, to grow me as a player, right. and, a, and a person? Right. You know, I think that's how the, that's, that was the basis of their decision. And at the end of the day, from, like when you talk about finances, when you talk about you know, how they're gonna structure payments and all that kind of stuff, that's a parent deal. Right. You know, that, and I think the, the, the kid wants to just, what's it gonna be like to play here? Right. And once we separated the two, that's when things really started to change.
1: Okay so so you've heard some of those things in that in the workshop and also what your athletes uh came back to you with and and said here's maybe coaches a better way to do it so then you described you were telling me that you went back to the office yeah. with your staff and what what got talked about sort of walk me through that conversation or what were some of the priority points because it's one thing to hear what you know maybe new information or what your athletes are saying it's another thing to actually put it into practice and that's usually the separation word that I see is right. we can teach coaches a lot and they can come up with a lot of information. Um, but do they apply it? So how did you actually come about applying what you learned? Yeah.
0: I mean for, for us and you know, my previous staff, we had to figure out what's our what's our strength, what do we want to showcase? You know, that was the biggest thing we left that seminar about was thinking what do we need what do we want to showcase our program? Like how do we, what what are the areas that we believe our, that differentiate us from the best programs mm-hmm. in the country, that people would want to turn down a bigger school to come play for us. Right.
1: And Because we're talking about you were coaching then at a, what yeah, we classified as a mid-major, mid-major yeah. surrounded by BCS yeah. schools. You're in BCS country yeah. at that particular school. So I exactly. just wanted to clarify that.
0: Yeah, so we're trying to figure out a way to get, how are those kids that are looking at those those Big Ten and you know, those kind of schools, how are they gonna why would they commit to us to play to play at that mid major? And I think for us it was, well our connection was great. We had a great we had a great staff of, you know, um, building relationships with, relationships relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And so we went back to the office, we're like, okay, well here's what we want to showcase. Here here's why a kid would want to play here. We had to fish we had to have an answer for that question. Like, why would a kid want to come here right. instead of so and so? And once we had that answer we're like okay, so now we we're able to piece that together, and then we kind of had a process over the next month where we brought in visits and just workshopped new ideas that we mm-hmm. had learned. Um, so I think that's hard, That's the hard part. That and that scares every coach that you're you don't want to try a new right. stra- a new strategy or a new tactic on a really important recruit right. because what if it doesn't work?
1: And well, what's well, what's interesting is that if you look at the rest of your coaching life, so you go to. You know, a coaching clinic at the soccer convention or something and they introduce a new training technique or right. just new just anything, yeah. snap it up and you want it we gotta put this in. We gotta try it right now and that's the right. first thing. So I'm just wondering I'm maybe just what is it about coaches when it comes to Recruiting versus actually coaching, where you, yeah. you know, because it, it's not the same reaction. You yeah. pick up new information with coaching and you want to put it in, and now with recruiting or maybe some other aspect of sort of the behind the scenes, yeah. coaches hesitate. I'm just asking yeah. maybe. I, well, I mean,
0: yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think part of it is. It's a it's a fear. I mean, you you don't want you've gone about it one way and it's worked, right? And you've like you've you like especially people who've been successful. Like in my last school, we were we brought in people who were very talented. You know, we got a we had a girl who ended up you know last year being one of the top goal scorers in Division One in the country. You know, and um, we we got her that way. You know, she she committed to us to put like that way. So for us, it was okay. Well, it worked. Well, why would you change it? I think part of it's just you can it's it's more so you, you think about, okay, am I gonna get that top player? Well, instead of thinking about, well, what if there's a player that's even better that we're not even think we don't have a shot at, but we really do. Right. And that's that was kind of our thought process. It was like, okay, well, we don't think we'll lose that player that we that we're that we've been getting continuously, but what if it's that next layer player, that game changing program player that we could get because she really likes what we're doing. Right. You know, so that was kind of the thought process behind it. Like, okay, well let's give it a shot. But I think a lot of people are nervous about it because it's I've done it one way, it's worked, why would I change? Well right. maybe you, the thing that I took away from your seminar was there's kids we could get that we maybe don't think we have a chance at getting, but we never really right.
1: pursue it. So I sort of interrupted you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sort of doing some self-analyzation there, but but back to the meeting and, and introducing kind of new um, the new things that you wanted to do, and you, you mentioned kind of bringing kids on campus and almost experimenting or tinkering with the workshop. So what was that process like, and what were some of the things that you learned or noticed that, that led to some changes?
0: Um, the, thing that we, the thing that we noticed was the players enjoyed separating from parents, and the parents liked the individual attention. I think as coaches, what we always talk about is, you know, we want, we wanna, we want the player to do all the talking, you know. Well, when they're with mom and dad, they're 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 gonna they're always gonna defer, uh, and I think mom and dad also want to talk. You know, they they they're just they're just as important in the decision. And for women's soccer particularly, you're recruiting so early, so you're asking a, a freshman or sophomore in high school to be assertive to act a certain way. They're not ready. They're not not maturity level is not. They're not there yet. Right. You know. So I think what you have to do is separate them from the parents. In, this, in in certain ways, um, like obviously, when you talk scholarship and that kind of stuff, that's a family, sure, that's a family sure. conversation. But when you talk about um, you know building connections, you know, you talk about okay, players go with the team, and parents, let's talk about here's the financial component, here's how we're going to keep your daughter safe. You know, talk about what's important to the parents because they have a lot of questions too. They may not want to ask in front of the, in front of the, their daughter.
1: Okay, so you begin tinkering with the visit and you come up with a new way of doing it. Separating parents and the athletes was yeah. one thing that worked for your program. Yeah. So walk me through. I guess when you when you came up with your new visit, based on what your the feedback was that we got from the athletes. So what were some of the things that you noticed initially? Once you put it into play, you mentioned like the parents, you know, the the communication was better. But what were some of the other things that maybe you maybe that you did differently? And then what was the the reaction?
0: Uh, We added a menu, uh, basically like for the visit, so Mm -hmm. that the athlete got to choose. Here's here's the academic side. Pick one. Here's the athletic side. Who do you who do you want to give you the tour? Right. Who do you what do you want to see? Interesting. And okay. so they got to start designing their own tour. So what we started learning was they were more enthusiastic on their visit. They asked more questions. They were way more engaged. Um, what we also found was they want almost. Hundred percent of the time, they wanted to go with the players. Right. So that was kind of the neat component. Is we learned that how important our athletes are in the recruiting process. So many times, as coaches, we're like, okay, they want to see me and they want to see what my philosophy yeah. is. To be honest, Actually, very it, little. Huh? Very little. It's yeah. more. It's more. So, where's your team? Like, how close are they? You can talk about it all you want, but when they see it and they yeah. want to be and they want to be a part of that, that's the most powerful thing that built that connection.
1: I think, you know, like, what I've noticed too is, like. I, Because the observation you made i think is is true and what i see is that coaches if if they don't believe you're the right coach i don't know if they're even going to come on the visit so i think they're pretty much sold on you as a person and communicator and that's why they've showed up Um, and so now they want to sort of branch out and say okay i'm good with you coach checked you off the list and i want a little bit of time but not the whole time yeah Okay, so that's, that's yeah. a great observation. Great. I love the menu idea, too, yeah. that that's, uh, that's, that's a good
0: one. And, one. and one of the cool things about it, too, was what we found is when you allow your players to have a part of that tour, the girls can see the trust that you have in your team. Mm-hmm. That the girl, it's very palpable when a coach is controlling and says, hey, you have to do this, this, and this, what, as opposed to, hey, girls, go, t- go take you know, so-and-so out and um, you take her to lunch in the cafeteria and, and spend some time with her and take her on a tour. That, that connection, where we found the best players that we got, and we got three national champions, club national champions at my last school before I left, uh, that committed. We got them because of the connections they were able to build. And what we found on their visits was, instead of doing the tour, they hung out in the dorms. Hmm. And just spent time with the team, so they did the tour a little bit, but literally they just hung out right. and got to meet them and hang and just get to know them.
1: Okay. So there are times when I'll advise a coach to do that, and yeah. th- that like I was telling you, they sort of the, you could see that they just they yeah. they bristle at it with the idea, and I think they think like, well, gosh, it's they need to see the whole school, they need yeah. to see where they're going to go to school, and it sounds like you found out what we <laughs> what we pretty much have, have figured out is that they really don't need to see that. They want to get a sense of the school. But they really want the the time with the team. So I guess my question is, how hard was it that first time or first two or three times to just let them go? And you're finding out they're spending a couple of hours in the dorm and they're not walking around seeing the buildings or yeah. you know in front of you know some person in admissions with a PowerPoint presentation yeah. or something.
0: I mean, because what we what we found, yeah. I mean, the, the first time we did it, I mean, our, I was I was angry. I was like, okay, well, why are we doing this? Um, but then the energy at the end, when we taught, had a conversation with the family at the end, was so positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was genuine, it was sincere. And I think the thing I found out was, especially when, you, when you're at a nice campus and you have beautiful buildings, you want to show them off. But what I always found out was... College is never about the buildings the The athlete will never remember the facilities they'll remember the people and that and that's like a life thing. so the thing I always found out was you know you can have all these great facilities that you want to show your student athletes your potential student athletes, but what they're always going to remember after that moment is that your team followed them on Instagram or that you know they 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 have this little inside joke with you know your your current team that when they come back now it's not oh, that's the recruit. Oh, no, that's Sally, like, hey, hi, you right. know, and she's part of it. Um, because that, at the end, that's what college athletics is all about, being right. part of something that's much bigger than yourself, and never seeing a student athlete say, I committed to this school because your, our, your engineering- What a great your, science building. Yeah, what a great <laughs> science building. Your, your, engin- your cafeteria was fan- like phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's always, what we found was when, we, when I asked players, why did you commit? It's always been, your environment is awesome. Your, your team is so close. We saw that from the very first visit. And I think uh, one of the biggest things I learned from you guys was to ask. So what we started doing was at the end of the visit. Ask
1: for the commitment if they're ready if to they, commit. If
0: they want to commit. Okay. And what we found was we got some of our best players that way, where we just asked them, hey, do, like, when, when are you ready to make a decision? We'll, we'll take your commitment at any time. Right. If, you, if you want to do it now, then great. And we found about five or six times they would commit right on the spot.
1: What, what percent do you think that was just if that's a that's a hard question because you bring a lot of kids in yeah. but so five or so if you if you if you looked at the better players yeah like give me a rough idea rough percentage it's gotta be like it's over 60
0: okay I, which which shocked me i remember the first time it happened i was thinking okay well i'm gonna ask the question and they just looked at each other and they're like yep we want to we want to be here <sighs> You know, and they were the excitement was awesome, and um, I think a lot of a lot of people go into visits with an idea of what they want out of it. Um, but I think you're right when you when you're on the phone with a recruit, they they already understand the coach. They've they've gone to the campus because of the coach, right. but now once they they're, they're going to commit because of the because of the athletes. Right. You know, so I think that's the thing that I what I learned from you guys was again they come for the coach, but they commit for the environment. And that's what you got to showcase. Yeah.
1: So there's another kind of thing that, that coaches hesitate in doing is the idea of asking for yeah. a commitment. Which again, if we do a workshop or and certainly we work with clients, that's one thing that we really yeah. we just we know we, you have to ask them because the yeah. kids tell us we want the coaches to ask us. We can't commit yeah. if they don't ask.
0: Right.
1: And that's another thing that's sort of that hard that hard. Uh, sort of valley to, to get over was how much deliberation or how much arguing did the staff do before you implemented that? I guess what I'm saying is how hard was that to do? We talked about turning it over and, and letting them go back to the dorms. That was a little bit of a you know yeah. hard thing. I can imagine that this would be maybe another level or two above that in terms of sort of taking yeah. the risk. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, the conversation, because if a coach is listening to this and they're not doing that yeah. or they're not making any change... They're kind of going to have the same, I think, gut reaction that you're going to maybe describe. So yeah. walk me through that. So the
0: first time we did it, um, I'll, I'll never forget it because she she didn't commit on the spot, but I but she ended up committing almost two days later, okay. and I think part of it was when I the first time I heard it, I remember my first reaction was that sounds really aggressive, that sounds like you're trying to put the foot on the gas. But what I realized afterwards, and the more I do it, what I realize it commu- it further communicates your interest to the athlete. Right. That when you say, "Hey, you know, are you? We'll, we'll take a commitment from you at any time. Whenever you're ready to commit. If you're ready to commit now, you know, great." Um, what what we found was part of their narrative for committing becomes, "Well, you really want me here. Right. No other coach asked me to commit.
1: Wow.
0: You know." And I think. It's a, again. It goes back to like a fear of like, well, what if they're gonna be like, oh, well, you're not. Right. This is this is too aggressive. Yeah. I'm 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 at it. No, not I've done it every time I've brought a player in to offer a scholarship, and I have never seen a player have a bad
1: reaction to it. It's always been positive. Well, and I think because I mean, you're bringing up a really sort of important distinction, you're not pr- the coach who says, look, we want you, and you got to decide by tonight, or I'm gonna call you in a couple hours. You guys talk about it. And if if you're not doing it, then we're pulling the scholarship. Yeah that's different that that's pressure they don't want that but right. what you're doing is like you said you're communicating we want you we're ready we're sold yeah. and now are you ready yeah. and they they almost need that that door to be propped open right. to say okay now if he wants me then i'm okay um i'll all right. um uh, i'll commit okay so we've been talking about your past school yeah you're now at a new school yeah division one yeah um different type of school right But I'm just wondering, because you mentioned going through the interview process, one of the questions that you got asked was, well, how are you going to sell it here? Um, And just to give, again, we don't want to name the school, but you're not near a major metro area. It's a drive. Uh, It's a private school. And so there's some things that there's a lot of that sort of filters that, that kids might go through before saying, I want to come here. Right. So I, I get why the athletic administration would say, how are you going to sell it? Because right. obviously I'm sure they had coaches who have struggled with that. Right. So w- walk me through that process and what, what did you decide right away that you would want to take from school number one and bring it to school number two, just in terms of the I guess the, the style and the, and the methodology?
0: I mean, so the thing I, I took from my previous school to here was the 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 priority in terms of the visit has stayed the same. It's all about building connection. So um, they're two very different schools, but the message is still very similar. Um, you know, and and our process is still essentially the same. You know, one of the biggest things that we that we build here is, you know, you pick your visit, you pick how you want to handle it, you pick how you want to go about it, and then we go about it as, a, as a as a program of how do we want to. What do we want to showcase to you so i think when i came here i think any coach you have to figure out what's what's the showcase part of our program for for us here it's our stadium it's our environment it's our culture mm-hmm. so that's what we showcase and then the rest of it really we've gone about the process of like, like what do we sell we sell we sell that and we sell the environment we sell our, we sell our staff we sell all those kinds of things that you know, a chance, an opportunity to build something special. That's kind of what we, we how we've gone about it.
1: So was it easier to take something that you'd sort of worked through and done the, the heavy lifting on before, and now it's sort of a finished product, and was it easy to insert? I guess what I'm asking is yeah. the, the principles, were they transferable from one school to the next, yeah. or have you had to sort of tweak it and adjust it a little bit?
0: I definitely had to tweak it a lot, because there's, my previous institution, You, we had a program that had a lot of, a lot of Great history, you know, where you, you could sell that, and I think here you're you're starting from scratch essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the foundation, the roots of how we go about recruiting has has stayed the same. It's always like that part. We I, that part was very easy to carry over, and the reason it was really easy was going from an assistant to a head coach. You did, a, I did a lot of the heavy lifting with recruiting because that was my job. Right. You know, I was a recruiting coordinator, so coming here, implementing was very very seamless. Um, once you identify. Your market once you identify okay what's what's the type of athlete we want here to find success mm-hmm. then it's going to be a, it's a pretty seamless transition i would say just
1: the, the strategies though that we were talking about from a recruiting standpoint you know um letting them spend more time with the team asking for the commitment all that you feel has stayed that stayed the same yeah. that you brought in so so part of
0: it was the culture when i got here was very toxic so I actually, that was one thing I steered away from when I first got here. Mm-hmm. Just because it wasn't my culture yet. So I knew if, I, if we did that just so soon, then it, what we, our team was not ready for that. Because um, they were selling stuff, they were talking about things and connecting in ways that wasn't where this program was going. Once we got a year into it, or about six, six months into it, the team knew the standard, I communicated the expectation, now it's, we're seamless in that, on that path now. Right. Now the team, the team goes with them, and, and it's, it is a very seamless right. uh, transition to that.
1: You mentioned, um, again, both at the previous school and this one, involving your team more. And I think one of the things or one of the questions that I hear coaches ask a lot is, well, I, okay, this, all this sounds great, Dan, but you uh, my, my, my guys, my girls on the team, they don't have time. To drag, I'm dragging them out of class. They're so busy already, and now we're asking them to, you know, I'm going to force them to to host these kids. I guess so. My two part question: Number one, has it been hard to get your team involved if they've been helped if they helped design it? And that's yeah. question number one. I guess the second thing is. Um, do they mind doing it has it been as much of a struggle as as maybe some coaches or maybe even you thought it would be initially to turn over so much time and and leave them with the you know with the current player as long as you do
0: yeah i mean honestly it's the players want to do it um part of it is if you have a team that wants to get better they're going to want good people part of it so they're they're going to want an idea of what's this teammate going to be like um i think part of it is the players feel the trust you're Putting into them, so if you say, "Hey, you know, you're you're playing a very important role in our recruiting process, um, especially you know, 18, 19 year old, 20 year olds." They feel that like okay, coach, trust me, you know, and I have a, a, essentially kind of a leadership role in that, you know, and um a lot of them have responded. I've never seen a player respond poorly to that. Yeah. I'll put it that way. I've done it for now two and a half years. I've never seen a a person respond poorly to it.
1: So the interesting part is that before I hear a lot of stories about you know a coach coming up, hey, we got a kid visiting campus. Here's the itinerary. I want you to host them, and the reaction is, ah, yeah, you know, I wanted to. Yeah. take some time off. I want to go shopping with my friends or just hang out yeah. in the dorms. I got a lot of studying to do. Yeah. And the observation that I made, I'm just wondering if this is the same observation you, you've made, is that when you turn it over to them and it's actually their tour or their creation, yeah. or you, again, give yeah. them the power to say, help us choose the people who are going to make this team better, they get into it and you don't hear as many of those complaints. Is that yeah. fair enough? I, I've honestly I've heard nothing but positive when our players lead the
0: tours um, and they design it and they basically just kind of and it's more so just building a connection like we, we started doing things where we would just bring them to a lunch and the entire team would be there and that they get to meet everyone um, we've done things where and that's been the players call. Um, and the, the the nice if you have a good relationship with your with your with your team, they'll tell you, hey coach, listen, I have a test tomorrow. I it's it's right. a struggle, and that and that's and that's as a coach you got to be understanding. It's okay, we'll find someone else. Um, but for the most part, I mean, they're excited about it because they want to have a stake in who's going to be my teammate, who's gonna, who's someone's, how is this person going to help us, you know? And and I've had players that have come back where this really helps, and say, you know, players and parents are very good at. You know, putting a, 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 like makeup on them in terms of what what the what right. the person's really like. Right. Well, when the parents are gone and it's just the player and the student athletes, um, they learn a lot about each other. And I've had players come and say, "Hey, Joe," or "Hey, um, hey," you know, "No, it's not. It's not going to work." Right.
1: Um, that's another tough thing that that coaches, you know, <laughs> almost. Worry about is I really want that player, and my kids come back and tell me no. But you're saying you kind of have to uh, listen to them because yeah. they're usually not wrong. Is what I found.
0: Yeah, if your if, you, if your culture is important to you, you can't bring people who are going to be toxic into it. And I and the hardest thing I've ever had to do was, especially in my current school, we had a player who came on campus that would have changed our program mm. uh, athletically. Right. Um. But after she met with our team, the team came back to me and said. Uh, she doesn't fit what we're trying to do and just told me some of the stuff that you know she was saying and how she was acting and I let her walk away and she committed to a Big Ten school and for us that's our program where we're at now does not turn away Big Ten talent (laughs) but our culture is so important that we had to Um, and I think had had we taken that athlete I think it would have been catastrophic to what we're trying to build and I think I think as a staff we earned a lot of uh, respect with our team um because they they saw then and there that their opinion mattered to what we're how we're going about it and that built even more trust
1: but how hard was it to
0: very hard <laughs> very hard especially once i saw where she committed and i saw her play a little bit afterwards um it was very hard, and yeah. and we did it. We did another time too. Where a girl came on campus, she she did that, and she ended up committing to. Um, right now, she's their top five ranked Division One team, mm-hmm. and she committed there. And right. again, two players that athletically, they if they were to come in here, would have changed our program, right. um, but they, w- they would they were they could have also destroyed it. They could have yeah. set it on fire. Right. So um, mm-hmm. for us, it's kind of just how we go about our process. Right.
1: It's interesting though that obviously you're recruiting the right type of players and for the person that's listening you're not at a Big Ten or a BCS school far from it and yet you're getting those players that are that are interested or that are there's something that's attracting them to to the school and I, I guess you know we've talked about the visit so much can you talk about how you feel you you know that you you do attract them or like what has anything changed in terms of the strategy for getting them to, to, you know, to justify a visit?
0: Yeah. I mean, for, for us, my strategy has always been the same, you know, and, and even when I've gone, as an assistant coach, you know, the culture was always a big component of it. But I think for us, it's all about what's, what's the person I've always sold. You're going to a place that's going to help make you the person you want to be in four years. And are you going to be in an environment that's going to help you grow? And right. what we found was that's our sell. That's that's for me personally. That's what gets my you know juices going of, in terms of coaching and, and being that that kind of that kind of a, a leader of a program. And um, for us, that's 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 been why people have come here. I mean, the reason why people turn down BCS schools or. Or leave BCS schools, or, or leave you know just like mid majors to come here, uh, or or consider us is because they believe in the environment that we have, okay. you know, and they believe that the environment we've created is going to help them be a better person and a better soccer player. But in their four years,
1: right. so two two final questions. Yeah. The first would be, um, based on everything that you've seen now and the, some of the changes you've made, what what can you look back and say? Here's here are some of the big and yet typical mistakes that coaches make um during kind of during the process and during the um you know, just, just whether it 's you know front middle or end of recruiting what what are the mistakes you see coaches making more most often
0: um the biggest mistake coaches make, and even i I made this a lot, especially when I was younger and still I still do every now and again, is speaking just to speak instead of asking and listening. Hmm. Um, A lot of the time, we want to get our message out, and we want to, does the player understand what we're doing? The thing that I've learned is players talk, coaches talk. Before a player gets on the phone with you, they know your culture. They know you as a coach. They know what they're getting into. But how often as coaches are we determining, okay, what's important to this player? You know, and I think those opportunities, we we don't take advantage of of enough. We're like, okay, it's me talking to you. I want to know what you want out of this. If for you, you're judging your success by if you're starting as a freshman, this isn't going to work. Yeah. But you know, a lot of coaches, we just we talk and we gotta get, we have to get our message out. We they have to know what we're about. They have to know all this stuff. You know, the thing I remember, the, one of the biggest things I took away was that first conversation does not go over five minutes. Mm-hmm. We on the keep, phone, on the, phone yeah. the first one on the phone, and it does not. It, it, if it goes over five, it definitely doesn't go over ten. Um, And I think I found myself in spots where I I gotta keep talking, I gotta, you know, all this stuff and and you just don't need to do that. Um, So yeah, I think that's like a a pretty big one. And the second one is just know know what you're about. Like know, have a very good idea of what you represent and what you're about as a coach. You know, there's so many coaches like, I just wanna bring better players in here. Well, great, well well, why, why? Why would they wanna come, like what what are you bringing that if you're just selling your campus, you're gonna. You're. If unless you're at a, a beautiful campus, right. and it, you, you, there's got to be more. Right. There's yeah. got to be more layers to you in your program, and right.
1: and how often are you shining light on that? You know. Right. Okay, so the last question is: through all this and all the changes that you made, right. I'm just wondering what what are the uh, your observations about this generation of kid? Because what as you've been talking, I've heard you hey, I thought they were this way, but they're actually this way. And I guess I'm just wondering, sort of summary, your observations about how they make decisions or, or what's important to them, what, what stands out to you just that you've learned uh, as you've sort of switched things around?
0: I think, I think there's a knock on this generation that they're in, over-entitled and they're a certain way that all they care about is their social media. And, and certainly it's important to them. Uh, I think that's probably that, that's obviously a different component. But at the end of the day, the what they value is exactly the same. What every single eighteen to nineteen year old kid is valued forever. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, yeah. you know. And are you prepared to provide that vision for them? You know, at the end of the day, like so many, so many coaches sell the technology, the you know, the campus. The you know, you'll get all this stuff. stuff. At the end of the day, what, what, what I what, what I found is that it's never about the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit about the stuff. I mean, playing Division One, I and obviously you get you get taken care of a little bit. But you know what's gonna make a player feel confident to commit is people, right. and that's always like that will never change. And there's, that's the biggest misconception with this generation is that it's for them. It's all about stuff. Well, for some of them, it is. Yeah. I mean, that, that's. No matter how, no matter what generation you grew up in, that's just like part of it, you know. But I think for for them, um, how are we providing that personal connection with this with this with this generation? Because that's what they really care about, and that's what every single kid when they're growing up, when they're when they're in that high school age group, they're they're in a, they're in such a confusing point in their lives that I think as adults we forget what it was like for us. We were like. I had I had flashbacks to when I was in you know a, a sophomore junior in high school and I was this awkward kid that wasn't confident whatsoever. But you know they may put on that perception of it, but we we assume a lot as coaches, and I think we just got to we got get back to a place where to remind ourselves like, hey, there are 16, 17 year like old, 18 year old kids that all they really want is a connection with the person who's going to help take care of them the next four years of their life.
1: So coach, that is what happens when you're able to take the leap and trust the data and trust the research. And yeah, trust us. We know what we're doing. And make changes that immediately and profoundly affect the way that you get kids, good kids, the best prospects to commit and to look at your program. So I hope you found that valuable. I hope you took away a lot of lessons. And I really want to thank the coach who opened himself up and opened their practice uh, of, of how they execute campus visits up to public consumption because that's not something that every coach is willing to do so i really appreciate it and i know anybody who listens to this and begins to implement some of maybe the same strategies at their school will appreciate it as well Uh, there are other campus visit related episodes that we've talked about on this podcast so if you're a subscriber to the college recruiting weekly podcast on itunes google google Stitcher, You can look back and find some of those past episodes as you begin to build out that new campus visit recruiting strategy and also on our website at dantutor.com. If you go to the recruiting blog, there are 13-plus years of articles, tips, research on campus visits, communicating with recruits, um, how to ask them for the commitment, everything that that Coach in, in this podcast talked about doing it's laid out philosophically uh, for, for you and there's also books that you can order uh, on the website as well so visit that if you need more information that's what it's here for it's a resource and we're here to help and of course if you need more personalized help in recruiting strategy development uh, and, and what the message should be and, and how to revamp your, your campus visit those are the things that we do one-on-one with clients it's highly effective you can find that on the total recruiting solution link at DanTutor.com. Coach, I really appreciate you listening. Tell your friends, tell your coaches to subscribe because that's what keeps the podcast going. And we hope that this is something that gave you some tools that you didn't have before and that you can trust this coach as well as us to when we tell you there is a better way to do campus visits. And the sooner you start, the sooner you'll see the results. Coach, have a great week and we'll see you next time on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.